The Highlander Podcast is brought to you by Outdoor Product Design and Development, a four-year undergraduate degree focused on training the next generation of product creators for the sports and outdoor industries. Learn more at opdd.usu.edu. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Outdoor Recreation Archive, a collaboration between OPDD and USU Special Collections to preserve the history and print materials of the people, products, and brands of the outdoor industry. Follow the archive at Outdoor Rec Archive on Instagram. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Utah Outdoor Association, a business association focused on elevating Utah's outdoor industry through educational programming and events. Their membership consists of Utah's outdoor manufacturers, retailers, outfitters, and guides. Member benefits include networking opportunities, recruitment of talent, and brand promotion. More information about volunteering and membership is available at utahoutdoor.org. On this episode, we share a presentation to OPDD students by Dave Gibson, a product manager at New Balance. David talks about some projects that he's worked on and the day-to-day of a product manager in a company. So it is an honor and a privilege to come to your guys' classroom today to speak about something that's near and dear to my heart, which is product management. You know, I don't, I don't take these opportunities for granted. Um, I look forward to, you know, having an open dialogue um, as we go through this deck, please feel free to stop me and ask any questions. I know there's some time at the end for conversation, but would love for this to just be, you know, interactive, make sure you guys get anything out of this that you're looking for. You know, if there are any sneaker heads or like fashion people in this con- in, in the classroom, please feel free to, you know, stop me at any moment and ask any questions. Um, this, you know, product management is something that I found later on in life and it really became like a catalyst and a goal for me in my career. And it's really helped like kind of shape the life that I'm living now and kind of like my career and the goals that I've had for my life. So I look forward to, you know, hopefully inspiring, hopefully you guys learn something from this and uh, yeah, so we'll get started. So we'll start with just like an intro. I think it's always critical to, you know, kind of show how we got here and where we, where I started within my career. So I was born and raised in Flint, Michigan. I was a graduate of Xavier University in 2013, where I started, you know, I ran track for four years at, at Xavier. And that's kind of like how I kind of got my foot wet into the sneaker industry. So as a backtrack for me, I, um, I worked at a running store for throughout my time in college, right? And so I was doing working at a sit and fit store where I was, you know, fitting people for sneakers, running shoes, um, all sorts of things. I've always been like a sneaker head, I would say. I've always been into like shoes and fashion, but I don't think I really knew that there was jobs out there where you could make sneakers, right? I just thought shoes just popped up at a Foot Locker, at like a, you know, a Champs or a Dick's Sporting Goods or even like a running store. And so from there, I was, at, during my time as, as um, at working at the running store, I met a tech rep and I was like, you know, what the heck is a tech rep? Like, I didn't know what this was. It was this guy who came to our store. He was like swagged out and all Adidas. Like he had everything Adidas on. I'm like, 
this is crazy. I'm like, I don't really understand, you know, what your job is. I had him explain to me what his role was. And so I was like all in on becoming a tech rep. And so I was able to land a job at New Balance as a technical field representative for the state of Michigan and South Bend, Indiana, where I covered all the big sporting goods and running stores within that territory. I did that for about two and a half years and kind of like burnt myself out because it's a job that, you know, you have to grind for, you have to drive a lot. You have to, you know, you don't work, you work from home. We were original, like work from home people. So we like drove nonstop. And so it, it was good to get in, get my foot wet, but I wanted to figure out, you know, career wise, this wasn't something sustainable. I knew I didn't want to go into sales. And so I met a couple of the product managers throughout my time and we networked and they were like, Hey, you should apply for this job as an assistant product manager on the kids business. I'm like, you know, I'm not really into kids shoes. You know, I don't have any kids. I'm like, I don't really know why I'd want to do this, but forget it. I'll, I'll try. I'll give it a try. And so I accepted a position as assistant product manager on the kids business. I did that for about two years and it was like, you know, it was pretty crazy. And as we go through this deck, you know, I'll make sure to like talk about some of those experiences working with the team, especially at assistant level. Then, you know, kind of like the grind that is being assistant product manager. And so from there, I moved on and became an associate product manager on the lifestyle business for the past two years, which has been really cool. Uh, was really cool. We were able to do some pretty amazing things. Um, lifestyle is the biggest business at New Balance. So that's the the like fashion part of it that I've had the privilege of working on over the last two years and my current role now I'm, I'm the product manager on our basketball business. So we just got back into basketball. I want to say maybe two and a half, three years ago uh, and kind of like why I had to give the intro about the sports side of it. So I've always had a passion for, you know, sports uh, is something that I've always, always done my whole life. And so I thought it was just a great opportunity for myself and, jumped into this product manager basketball role. And I've only been doing that for about the last three months. So might not have too many answers on that side of it, but you know, if you're a basketball fan or fan or a sports fan, you know, please feel free to stop and ask any questions about just the process and the creation standpoint. So I, I, I spoke a lot. Is there any questions from anybody out there? I guess how much um, influence do you have over kind of the products, like you say, for the basketball, what is your role in coming up with designs and products for that? So and that's a great question. I think that actually leads to my next slide. So product manager, what is that, right? Like how, what's the level of detail? What's the level that we have? And so as the product manager on the basketball business, I'm essentially the quarterback of our offense, right? So I am the Tom Brady of it. I might not be the fastest, I might not be the strongest, you know, I'm not the biggest, but I know what everybody's doing and I relay the play to the team, right? And so my level of detail in the product manager side of it is I come up with the brief, I have the vision, I have, you know, the historical data, I understand what the consumer trends are, and I create the brief that I relay, then relay to the team. So Think about it from a football perspective. As the quarterback, I get the play from the offense, from the coordinator, and then I relay the play to like our product developer and our product designer, if that makes sense. And I can dive deeper into that, but I want to make sure I give anybody else any other time to ask any questions. So as, that, as I relay the play to the team, right, you work on what we call like a triad team. 
And that's where you have a product manager, a product developer, and a product designer. And so as the quarterback, we come into the huddle, and we like to call that like proto one. And that's where I relay the play to the team. So I call the product developer the offensive lineman because they're the people that are getting their hands dirty, you know, working with the factories, making sure that the shoe is it, – it becomes a physical shoe. So they have, they have the hard part of like basically make, taking a 2D piece of paper right and making it in a 3D and working with the factory to make sure that they understand the heights, the parameters, the um, density, the material, how it's constructed, that the shoe actually looks like a shoe. So it's a, you know, it's a very gritty job. It's something that as the product manager, right, like, as a quarterback, I might throw a block every now and then, but I'm not my, my main goal is not to, to block the other team. And so that's their main job. And so as a product manager, again, you can kind of do everything, but you don't do everything because that's not your your focus. And so from there, the product developer gets the 2D from the product designer, right? And so the product designer is is I always like to say like the skill position, right? So they are essentially that like swagged out person on the team, right? They always are, you know, trend right. They always understand what's going on in the market. But as the product manager, you kind of have to give the play to the product designer or else they might not be in sync with what's going on, right? So if if my designer is not running the right route, I can't get them the ball, nor can we move down the field. And so you have to kind of make sure that they know what what needs to be aligned, right? Like, if I'm the product manager and I say, okay, we see a lot of green shoes in the market and the designer does it, is like, nah, it's actually purple is what's going to be on, on trend this season. It's like, I need the green one. That's what, that's what the play is. And so we have to kind of all work together. And so the designer essentially designs the 2D shoe, gets the shoe to the product developer. The product developer creates the shoe, you know, works with the factory to get that. In about six weeks, we get a sample back from the developer or from the factory where all three of us sit together and look at the shoe and make sure that the shoe, you know, the colors match, the shape is right, it fits well, and then we build out from there. And all of this is for us to work all the way down the field to score the final touchdown, which is the final product that's going to come out to market. The next slide I have here is I call this like, the day-to-day from a product manager. So always being on with the trends is super critical when being a product manager. You know, you have to almost put your personal beliefs or your personal like fashion and style to the side because you need to be in tune with what the consumer is wearing. So if you can't, the only thing that people cannot refute is consumer detail and trend detail, right? Because that is what we see. And so if you're looking to create a product or create anything, you need to make sure that you know who's going to buy it and then make sure you're able to relay that to the team. So what I put here was just some of the consumer trends that I've used in the past, just kind of from a fashion perspective. Um, I was a part of when we brought back the 827 with Aim Leon Door, and it was really just like we saw this like 2000s trend being a thing, which was like these like silver running shoes that everybody was wearing. This really started in the Europe market and we needed to make sure that we brought something to North America that fit. We've seen a lot of salmon shoes over the season that have just been really trend right. 
And then what we used, we saw like the shocks from Nike start to be a thing. And so what we wanted to do was like kind of look at how it's being worn, right? From a female perspective, that fashion consumers wearing it, you know, with mid cut socks, they're wearing like these trend rice shoes, skirts, long dresses, long coats. From a footwear, from a male perspective, we're seeing these straight leg jeans. We're seeing like, you know, them tailored to the bottom to make sure that they fit right and they sit right. And we're making sure that we're relaying this message to to the pro, to the design and developers to make sure that they understand what the trend is. And so from a day-to-day perspective, I'm spending nonstop time, you know, it, the beauty of it now is you have Instagram, right? You have social media at the, at your fingertips where you can see what people are wearing literally every single day, right? Like you can see what the trend is. You can see where people are, are heading with their styles. You can see what's on trend just through social media. And then you got to kind of go out into the world and see what else people are wearing, right? Like I love to people watch, you know, we've, we've I've had the privilege to kind of go to some pretty amazing cities. Um, I did like a three, I did a Euro trip where we went to Europe, went to London, Paris and Milan. I was able to really see what the trends were, what people were wearing. And that, I feel like that, that opportunity and that space was really something that allowed me to become a better product manager because I was able to, see what people were wearing, see how their style was very different from my style or from what we saw from like a day-to-day in North America. And I was able to make shoes for people in Europe, was able to make shoes for people in London, you know, the Paris's of the world and Milan's of the world. And, and to be able to see something that we worked on 18 months in advance come to life and be trend right was, you know, a pat on the back for myself and then also our trial team that worked on it. Any questions about consumers or trends or any thoughts on just that process? I've got one. Um, yep. What what tools do you use to to like keep an eye on future trends? I mean, do you use trend databases like WGSN or Stylus? What do you use for that? Yeah, so we use we have what we call here a trend team as well, and so they are dedicated to utilizing all those trend details and trend trend websites to figure out like what's going to be on point for this season. And they're always thinking like two years in advance, eight months in advance, six months in advance to make sure that we have what we need. And I, I really just sit with them nonstop and just have conversations about what they're seeing. You know, there was a big fashion, a couple of fashion weeks that just happened last week and they sent out a full trend deck that we looked at. And what you have to do as a product manager is you still have to be, the tastemaker, right? So though some fashion trends might be far out there that might not relate to our consumer, you have to figure out how we can use these trends and make sure that we're correlating those to a commercial level for the consumer that we're trying to speak to based off your consumer business. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Perfect. No problem. I'll uh, go on to the next slide. And so these last four four or five slides I think I have here um, these are just some of the projects that I've had the privilege of working on and like product managing from start to finish. So my story matters was our Black History Month collection for the, from this past February that we were able to work with Coco Goff, who was our, one of our tennis athletes, and then Jaden Smith to be head to be the face of this this story. And so this was something that we kind of came together off timeline. We just wanted to create an impactful story that told stories that was able to relate to the consumer and that was focused on, you know, detail, details that we hadn't used in the past. And so 
To the right, you have a full collection here with the My Story Matters 574 and the My Story Matters 990. We aligned on the 990 and the 574 just because they are our most iconic models at New Balance, and we felt like trend-wise, trend they were going to fit for the consumer we were looking to speak to. And we were looking to inspire all the gr all groups across all consumer levels, and we wanted to make sure that we had you know, higher price point model, but also a model that was at that lower price point that would fit. And so though I worked on footwear, I worked on footwear only, I had to work with our apparel design and development team to make sure that we were delivering the, the apparel piece of it as well. And then from there, we had to work with the marketing counterparts to make sure that the marketing team had their assets to create these beautiful shots that were created by Dapper Lou, who was, was just a creative house out of Brooklyn, New York. And they worked with Jaden Smith and Coco Goff to create these amazing looks. And this was, this is our campaign shot, snapshot. So it was amazing to see these shoes come to life and be received by all these amazing outlets, right? Like we don't see too many sneakers show up on Good Morning America, right? Like you don't see this happening on the Daily Mail or those, those type of websites. So this story was a very, was strong enough to, strongly enough to be received by these websites. And these people were like, you know, people were really amazed and polarized by the depth of story here the depth of detail within the shoes. This like purple box that you guys can see here was a part of the seed kit that we sent out to all of our um, athletes and um, seed people to make sure that they had like an amazing experience. We were able to fit the two shoes in there. The box was massive. And so it was really like inspiring to see that and people posted those things on social media. Um, any questions about you know, that story or any thoughts or any, anything, any, if anybody has anything, please feel free to let me know. So how often do you have to collab with like the, the apparel people and work with them to kind of make the apparel match up with the shoes? Yeah. So we, I do that probably every season. Um, it's always a goal of us to tell them what we call a head, what we say a head to toe story. And so though every, every collection doesn't need to have an apparel hook, we would love to see people like outfitted from New Balance head to toe, right? Like we would love for you to have a consumer experience when you go into our store that that makes the shopping experience easy, right? So, okay, you have the shoes with the sweatpants, with the hoodie or the t-shirt or the long sleeve. If we see all those on a mannequin and they're, they look good together, I would say six times out of 10 consumer data says that you could probably get all three bought. And so we love to have one to two apparel hook stories within every season for our for our collections. And it, it is very interesting because they work on different timelines than we do. And so you have to be very strategic. You have to be able to communicate early on within the process to make sure that they're saving space for us to create across the line. I've got I've got another quick question for you. Yep. So who's Go ahead, who's primarily responsible for like crafting the story? You mentioned you all contribute to that, but in in the case of this this um, this launch, like who's primarily yeah. like coming up with the story and and pushing that? Yeah, so um, we all kind of work together on this one. Um, what we like to do is like get ahead of it and have what we call like offsite, where we're all just like immersed in this and coming up with any and every idea, right? And so this story actually came to, this was, I think I came up with this one, I believe. Um, and it was just really inspired by like a choir. Um, I was, I've always had this like 
fascination with like choir robes and just like the elegance and the class that have come with those. And I'm like, hey, why don't we, you know, utilize that? I think it's something that within the black community has been utilized or something that, you know, is near and dear to everyone's heart. And so I think it was also something that's just across cross cultures as well. That there's choirs in all, you know, whether it's choir in the school, whether you're saying in the chorale in high school, we wanted to make sure that those fit. And so this kind of came about through my, 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 through my lens, but, you know, we work with the design team to make sure that they understand if they have any ideas too, but essentially the product manager is in charge of coming up with the story and then making sure they have the ability to relay that story to the team. Um, so like working with Jaden and Coco, like how much say do like people like that have in the design process and the story? Is that right? Yeah. So was that, that was the question. So they don't, they don't really have much say in how these type of projects come to life. They do have their own collections that they have almost all the say in, but usually how those pro- that process goes is we present to them this idea or this story, like, hey, we would love you to be a part of this. You know, is this something that you would be interested in? And they both jumped at it. They were both excited to be a part of it for their own personal collection. You know, we work hand in hand with them throughout the whole design process to make sure that they are aligned with where we're going in the direction. And nothing gets brought to market without their stamp of approval, right? Like if it's a Coco Golf Times New Balance collection, she needs to be, she has to sign off on everything that comes to life. If it's the Jaden Smith shoes, which is the Vision Racer, he's a part of the design process from start to finish on that. He's aligned to the colors, and which we presented them, and he signs off on it. He's good to go. Does that answer your question? Perfect. Yeah. Uh, what were some of the main challenges you were able to overcome during this project? With, with this project? Yeah, main challenges that you overcame in this yeah, project. I, I think COVID was the big, the biggest project with this one. Um, you know, it was, it was, it put like a wrench in our whole like planning process. We had just began, I think it was February 2020. We had just launched, which I'll get into next, our first Black History Month collection. So we were still in the midst of that. We wanted to like kind of start on a 12 month cycle. So we started out what we were calling our offsite right around that time. And so from there, it was February 2020, you know, this COVID thing was starting to like bubble. And I think we had just had one offsite. So we weren't, we didn't even have a design yet or create or anything or any, even a story at that point. And then we all had to go home and work from home. And so the, during that work from home period, the calendar was absolutely nuts. Like we were in meetings from start to finish, like everybody just like had their own jobs that they were doing from a time every day. And so we had to like, on the midst of that, get ahead of that and figure out a way to make sure that we were still checking. And then there was also also like factory delays. And so we were having trouble, like just seeing a physical sample because of these factory delays, you know, over in other countries that we utilize like Vietnam and things of that they were having, you know, um, their own issues and people weren't in the factories, people weren't coming to the factories. And so what we we had to make sure that we were finally getting ahead within that space. And so once we were able to see the shoe, finalize the shoe, we just had to make sure that we were coordinated from a time perspective to catch a Coco, to catch a Jade and with their busy schedules to make sure that they were being shot for the assets. And then it was just a sit back and, you know, cross your fingers and hope that the product delivered at the right time. 
And this one was very interesting because we actually didn't deliver the shoes on two one because of the shipping delays that we were having. The shoes actually didn't launch till like two fourteen. And so we were actually halfway through Black History Month before we were able to deliver our Black History Month collection. Which what did not make the product manager happy, which was me. But, you know, some of those things are out of your control. You know, I, unless I was going to drive the ship over there myself and pick the shoes up, it kind of it, it was what it was at the time. Awesome. So I'll move on to the next project, which was our first ever Black History Month collection, which was inspired by what our first one of our new a athletes, Kawhi Leonard. Um, and so this collection was called Inspire the Dream. This released in 2020, uh, which, which was well, one of our main stories was it was like the first collection that was designed product managed and developed by Black Associates at New Balance. Um, it was inspired by Kawhi Leonard went to MLK High School. So we utilized the colors from his high school to kind of create this like navy blue and red story, but also correlating with our heritage at New Balance because we are the, one of the only companies that still makes shoes in the USA. So we thought that it would be great to kind of switch from the black to the navy utilize those gold details here to kind of tell like a championship level story. And um, the designer here, which is Jordan Johnson, um, was created the colors and all these shoes. And so I actually have a shoe, one of the shoes here to kind of show you guys. So this was the 850, which was one of our trend right shoes at the time. I don't think I had the basketball shoe at the time, but as you can see in this picture here, Kawhi Leonard wore the shoes during one of their like primetime games, which was pretty incredible to see. I think he had like ended the game with like 28 points or something like that, you know, and the fun guy did what the fun guy does. and He got buckets. And so it was great to see that. But one of the key components to this, this collection was the give back part of it. And so we were able to work with Kawhi Leonard to do, I don't actually have pictures from that, but we had Kawhi Leonard come out to our a store. Uh, I'll send actually pictures to Chase, but we had Kawhi Leonard come to, the local YMCA in California to meet with the kids. We donated t-shirts. We donated shoes to one of the local YMCA's. He came and spoke to the kids. We were able to meet him and he was able to meet the kids. And it, it really like solidified just like what we were doing, right? Like some of these projects might have, you know, dollar amounts connected to them, but some of these projects are just put together to inspire kids to, you know, shop with New Balance. And some of those kids probably will never forget that time that they got to meet Kawhi Leonard in and get a free shirt and a free pair of shoes from New Balance, which hopefully from a consumer spec perspective, makes them like New Balance fans for life. And we're hoping that we're, we're able to change the mold there. And so this was some of the campaign shot snapshots that we saw um, out of the DC area. The kids were able to create like their own photo shoot from it. High Beast got a hold of it. Shoe City also created these amazing lay down. And then the network website, I was also able to do like a full story on the collection and where people were able to buy it. And so that was our first um, Black History Month collection, Inspire the Dream, which was pretty crazy to see that that actually came to life because it was one of those like quick to market behind the scenes um, after hours project that we had to work on. It definitely was a passion project that allowed that allowed us to create even bigger stories which we had with 2021 with the My Story Matters, which will be even bigger in 2022 when we uh, release that one. And then one of my other project or one of the passion projects that I was able to create was what I call the 574 Rugged. So this was 
the first one of the first new creations that I brought back I brought to life at New Balance. Um, this shoe is inspired by one of our most iconic models, which is the 574. Um, the 574 has been around from the, since the 80s, right? It's one of our most recognized, most worn shoes from a consumer perspective. And it always is tricky as a product manager to try to recreate the wheel on an icon. And so what I wanted to do was I wanted to create a more sturdy, more outdoors, more, more dense 574. So what this has is like just a more aggressive midsole here. It has a more aggressive outsole with these deeper lugs to it. And it really just kind of gave this shoe a whole new shape and a whole new life. And it kind of recharged it dropped in a new amount of energy to the 574. So these were some of the models that the colorways that we worked on. This was like a primary pack. We wanted this to be inspired by like polos of the spring. So if you had like, you know, a blue polo, a black polo, you know, a white polo or, you know, what a green polo that you could wear these shoes with all five of those. This was our our first launch of the white and black that we, we just wanted this to be a commercial everyday shoe. So with this colorway came came in mind because we wanted people who, you know, if you bought one or two shoes a year that you were able to, you know, wear this shoe with all your outfits to going back to school. And the second one was inspired by like work boots. And so the rugged has been in the line for like the last two years now. It's still, you know, chugging along. It's it does for us a pretty good amount of business, especially within North America. So it was really cool to kind of see this model kind of gained legs as something that I just wanted to create. I really wanted to create a 574 for myself here. And so, like I said earlier, you usually don't want to make shoes for yourself, but sometimes you strike gold. And I, I would think we were able to strike gold with this one as like that 574 that just works for me. And so, yeah, any questions about the 574 Rugged or how that came to life? Any modifications to the um, upper part of the shoe, like the materials? Yeah, so this one has peri suede on it, which we don't usually do. Um, each shoe has a different material package, just depending on the stories that we're looking to create. Um, most of the work on this model was on the midsole and the outsole from a cost perspective. It's way more expensive to create these. And so we had to spend a lot more money on this. So from a design perspective, the upper kind of stick kept the integrity of the 574, which is we call this the tip. This is the saddle and this is the foxing. So it kind of kept those, but the stack heights are a lot higher, a little bit more dense than a regular 574. So uh, along with that, do you work closely with your materials and finish color materials, finish teams? Do you work with them or is that your designer developer who works with them and then in turn works with you? Yeah. So the, we all kind of work together with that. I think the designer usually picks the materials for the shoes. Um, they kind of work, hand, work closer with the materials team to make sure that the materials do fit. But as a product manager, again, you're always in the know with what's going on. You, you need to make sure that you, on top of your game and on top of your business. So the designer usually works hand in hand with the materials person. Like if this foxing material was to fail, the designer would need to go and find a new material to replace this one. And they probably reach out to the materials person to give them some options. And then they would pick which one they thought looked the best. So that's a whole nother career path that we're probably not gonna cover in this class, but color materials and finish designers. 
the developers yeah, and too. So. And, and, they're, and they're super cool. They're super cool. They're always on trend. Um, I think as a product manager, sometimes, yeah, like I said earlier, you have to put those like put those guardrails up for those designers or those color materials people or else they will bring you something that is super crazy and just might not work for us and it might also be too expensive. And so, you know, from a design perspective, from a designer's perspective, they are designing, you know, what they think, what they deem is looks good, but sometimes that might not be affordable. And as a product manager, I have to kind of put those guardrails like, okay, I need this to be at X amount of dollars or it might not work for our, our, our creation process. Yeah. So with your specific background, like what do you think you brought to the table for New Balance that they didn't have, like qualities that you had or skill sets? Like what, what do you feel like set you apart that helped you break in at New Balance? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's the leadership ability. Um, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm the, the best designer or, you know, I don't design at all. Right. But I have the ability to lead the team in a way that kind of allowed me to kind of shine and so I think leadership, being able to present that leadership and be able to present a vision and, you know, get the team going in order to create the product has been something that separated me. I also think I brought a perspective that a lot of the team here, because they're from the East Coast, I'm from the Midwest, I had just a, a different point of view on sneakers and fashion and culture in general. And so when I was able to get an opportunity to speak, I was able to, you know, bring my own ideas starting with the consumer to make sure that they understood that I wasn't just making shoes for myself, but understanding that the consumer base, the style, and this just the opportunity was to fit, was to be able to create these shoes across the line. And so I think that those things have allowed me to, to separate myself and then just the ability to work really hard as well, right? Like in the places that I'm lacking, I spent a lot more time working on those skill sets in order to, to build myself up and then continue to rise throughout the company. So I would say just being able to be a, a natural born leader and then just being able to articulate that vision across teams is something that has separated myself to my peers. Got a, I've got a question more on the finance side of things. So students yeah. are doing PLM in our program in the last two years, they'll, they'll take some finance classes. Um, yep. if that's the pathway they want to take. Um, I mean, how much of your day-to-day is just making sure that product is on time and on budget and what does that look like? Yeah. So from a day-to-day perspective, we're always making sure that we're hitting the top line. Um, in my previous role, I had, uh, that was more of like the focus. Um, I was working on big volume programs. So every five cents, every 10 cents counts. So if you're working on million to 5 million pair of programs, they are relentless about the finance part of it. And as I switched over to basketball, the business isn't as big. So I don't hear from finance as much as I used to, but you want to make sure that you're always making the company money and that you're, you're building out these shoes to a specific margin, which, you know, that part of it comes with within the day to day. And so you have a margin goal, which is delivered to you from the finance team. And that margin goal, you have to make sure you build into in order to create that. So the more pairs, the more important the margin is. The less pairs, the less important the margin is because it doesn't really impact the top line as much as those dollar amounts do. And so that that margin, that target mar- that target FCA, which is our final cost associated for this shoe, has to be articulated down to the team. And so 
So I know that New Balance was really rough in the basketball industry in the 80s and 90s. So what has it been like for you to try and reestablish the basketball brand for New Balance? Yeah, it, it's actually really hard. Um, you know, you have those new, <laughs> those new Balance enthusiasts that only wanted to look like the 80s and the 90s, you know, whether that's the James Worthy or, you know, we had some of those other athletes during those times. But the game of basketball has changed so much from then and even within this past like five years, right? The the three ball has really changed and sped up the basketball game. So what we're looking to do is kind of like blend those, blend that line and like have some of these stories that harken back to our, our history within basketball, but also make sure that we're giving this 16, 15 year old kid something that inspires them as well. Right. Like I think that that's where we go back to the consumer part of it. Right. Like, but if our muse is this 15-year-old kid who loves the game, loves, you know, sports music and, and fashion, they might not be really – they might not even know who James Worthy is, right, Like, or might not even know anything about our history. So this might be the first time that they've even heard about New Balance. So we want to take them on that journey, take them on that ride of, like, sports and fashion, but also make sure that they understand, like – we are who we are in the company. And I think that's what separated us over the years, right? Like, you know, our history is what kept us afloat over the last hundred years. And we want to make sure that we keep it to our, our heritage because consumers can always tell when you're trying to be somebody or not. And that's why we, we take time and we take pride in working with who we work with on, on these products. Maybe time for one more. Yes. Oh, well, we'll do two more if they're fast. Yes. Yeah. Back there and then back here. What did you go to school for? Like, you probably didn't have a program like Yeah, I wish I wish I had a program like this when I was in college for sure. I um, I went to school. I started off as an accounting major. I thought it was something that I was like super interested in in high school. And then I took a couple of classes. I'm like, I don't think I could do this for the rest of my life. And so I ended up going, becoming, I did a marketing, I got my, uh, my degree in marketing. You know, marketing is a very broad thing. But uh, yeah, so I was able to get that and then, you know, kind of branch off from there. So you guys are, you guys have like the coolest classes already. Like this is amazing to see people interested in like product creation. I would have loved to do something like this when I was in college. So, and if you do PLM, the last two years, if you've looked at your four-year plans for PLM, like you'll basically be able to get a marketing minor. So similar, similar pathway in Incredible. that way, but you'll get that foundation of design in the first two years and then specialize with more of the marketing side in the last two. Great um, question. I think, I think that's all the time that we have. David, thank you so much for taking the time and uh, for sharing your, just what you do day to day. Thank you. Thank you guys. It's nice meeting you all. Have a good day and great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. For more conversations with outdoor leaders, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, watch episodes on the Outdoor Product Design and Development YouTube channel, or on opdd.usu.edu slash podcast. Follow along on Instagram at USU Outdoor Product and let us know how you're enjoying the show.